Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome high-tech freedom guests. My uh, my guest today is Brian Hemmedinger, and he brings an interesting perspective on sales, health, wealth, and mindset. He'll touch on how his identity and brand has changed and developed over the years of his sales career. And he'll cover how it is important to invest in sales activities that may not produce immediate results today, but can pay huge dividends at a later point in your sales efforts. He'll cover the value of, of investing in yourself, and he'll talk about how his role in his work as a life coach and a real estate investor has actually improved how he performs and works within his W-2. He'll also uh, share some thoughts on building wealth to create financial freedom and uh, freedom in general. So enjoy the episode and please leave a five-star review if you like the show. All right, Brian, well, welcome to the show. Uh, Let's kick it off. Um, So um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, We have a guest today, Brian Hemmedinger. And I don't want to butcher his bio. So I'm just going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself and where you're from and what you do. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. It's really a pleasure to be here. And I really love what you're doing with this with this show. So I, I started my professional career, my adult life, really focused on being an actor. So I moved to New York just after college. I had moved from Buffalo, New York, went to graduate school for acting. And then really for about 10 years in New York City, that was my focus. So I was auditioning. I was always working on some type of project and sometimes I was getting paid and many times I was not. So I always had other jobs, other various things I was doing also to just earn some money to pay the bills. And that's 10 years, a lot of focus. I was really obsessed with it. That's what I was doing. That was my identity. That was my purpose. I got to a point where I had recently been gotten married And I was about $95,000 in debt between student loans and credit cards. Wow. And I was making about $30,000, $35,000 a year on average. And just something shifted for me. The the priority shifted. The focus on some type of stability became more important to me. And that's where I really found sales. Because some of the jobs that I had done while working as an actor, had a sales component to them or a hospitality component as well. And I got a job in sales for an upscale fitness brand called Equinox in New York. And I started. And from the moment I started, it was so gratifying because I had been putting so much energy and effort into acting. And I was able to take that energy and effort, that passion, that obsession, and then put it into what I was doing in sales. And what was so gratifying about that is when I was doing that, I was actually getting a tangible result. 
And that was so exciting. And I loved also what the product that, that I was selling as well and loved the brand and the company. And that I've been with this company now for almost 16 years, and I have been in a variety of sales and leadership positions along the way. Now I oversee sales for 22 of our locations here in Southern California. And along that journey, a few things happened. I discovered a couple of passions. One passion was coaching because as I emerged and, and grew as a leader, I discovered this real passion for working with people, coaching them. I had such great coaches and mentors along the way, and I knew what they were able to kind of pull out of me. So I discovered a passion for doing that for other people. And then the second thing was just really getting into business and just starting to really understand business. But the unique thing for me, I think, was that while I was so focused on my career, and I had gone from, again, $30,000, $35,000 a year to I made $85,000 a year in my first year in sales. And I was not at all focused on investing. I was just focused on working and I was happy to be earning. And I was investing, meaning I was investing in my 401k and my wife and I had a brokerage account. So we'd put money in there, but I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about what I was actually investing in. And I really wasn't thinking about the long term in terms of where is this really going? What do I want to really build for the future? What do I really want the future to look like? So about five years or so ago, I became much more interested in investing, really focused on financial education. And really over the past year and a half has really been where I've been very focused on investing in real estate, multifamily real estate specifically, in addition to coaching and in addition to my role at Equinox. Yeah. You have a lot of stuff going on. I well, do. Uh, you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I think sales uh, is a little bit of an acting role, right? You know, it's, it's got to show up and sometimes you may not be feeling it with that, that particular day, but you have five sales calls you have to go on and you've got to turn it on and you got to have the energy. And, you know, while you've heard the message, hundreds of times before, maybe your customer has it. And so there's a little bit of, uh, you know, you've got to show up and, and, uh, and do your thing. So that's interesting. You touched on a lot of things there, Brian. So I'm going to go back and pick on a few of them. So you mentioned initially, uh, you felt like your purpose and identity was, was acting. And then you realized, well, Hey, I'm not making a career out of this. And, uh, so you shifted to sales. Um, how has that shifted your purpose now? What is it? I mean, you're working hard, you were heads down, but, um, sounds like you went through a mind shift of focusing on something further down the road. I mean, what drives you every day? That's a great question, Chris. I mean, first of all, it, it, it consistently shifts. I think identity is something that continually shifts. I love this Tony Robbins quote, which is the most, or the strongest force in the human personality is to remain consistent with how we define ourselves. Just that identity, like how we view ourselves is so strong and we want to stay consistent with that. And yeah, I was identified as an actor and then I identified as a salesperson immediately because I was very driven. I wasn't thinking so much about the money. The money was great because now I was actually earning money and actually mm -hmm. able to pay the bills. My bank account wasn't in the negative. And, but really what drove me, the identity was more around significance at that point, because I was more driven by being number one and being at the top or near the top. And then I think as time went on and I became more interested in the leadership side, my identity shifted more towards 
helping other people see, believe, and achieve the greatness that they have within them. Because again, other people had invested in me and believed in me before I believed in myself. So I think now my identity is really around, or really my purpose is around a couple of those things. One is without question, investing in other people, coaching other people, helping them to really get clarity in terms of what they want to accomplish, really help them create the belief in themselves to be able to achieve that and then support them and hold them accountable along the way. And then secondarily, really what drives me too for myself and and my, my life with my wife is to create financial freedom, to have more choices because I love what I do. I love all the three things that I do, what I do at Equinox. I love coaching and I love investing. So it's not so much for me about getting out of something as I know it is for a lot of people. Sometimes they get into investing because they want to get out of their job and that, right. the pain of their job kind of forces them to focus on investing. For me, it's not so much about that. It's about creating options. It's about creating choices. It's about creating the freedom to choose what we want to do with our time, what we, what kind of impact we want to have with wealth and just being able, not being limited by finances in any way. That's such a, such a great point that you just made. And it's something I think a lot about. It's that when people are running from something or they're trying to get away from maybe the current W2 job to go try and do something else, um, that to me, that's just a recipe for failure. If you can't figure out how to kick ass at what you're doing now um, and then translate that into your next thing, maybe a, a side hustle or some other thing that you're doing on the side, or maybe it's just your next job. Um, you don't have the right mindset for success. And I see, I, you know, I, I've met a lot of people that, uh, you know, they're running and you have to embrace it and you have to figure it out. Um, you've got to make it work, learn how to be successful and then translate that into whatever it is that is that next thing is that you want to do. Um, so Brad, maybe, um, you touched on mindset. Um, you know, how has, you know, you've gone through some different challenges, right? Some different mm-hmm. career changes and gone through some different ways of thinking about how you're going to be successful. Um, how, how does mindset play a role in, in your sales success and sales leadership success? Well, I mean, it's foundational really for me for everything. And, and when I say that, I mean, first off is establishing the mindset that you want to be in on a daily basis. So for me, one of the most important things for me is my morning, my morning routine and just being able to create for myself the level of presence and energy that I want to show up with. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that I do in the morning. (laughs) My morning routine is is typically about three hours, really, from beginning to end. No kidding. Yeah, that usually includes a workout in there too. And and part of it it's developed over time. And and one of the gifts that, that COVID really gave me was that our, our fitness clubs actually shut down because I'm in Southern California. So we were really closed for pretty much a year. And thankfully I was still working because we had other clubs open in other areas and I was able to support those clubs, but it gave me more flexibility than I was accustomed to. It actually gave me more flexibility than I was giving myself. I really should say, because I I think I could have given myself that flexibility. I was just, I wasn't used to that. Mm -hmm. And I expanded my morning routine during that time. And I realized how powerful it is. So I just, now I just kept getting up earlier (laughs) 
to be able to maintain it. And I'm okay with that because I'm a morning person. I like to go to bed early. Well, let's hear a little bit more. I mean, what is in the routine? I'm curious. So my morning routine is I wake up, I do I drink two glasses of water, two glasses. Of, wait, not everybody can see this, but two glasses of water with lemon. And which is about, it's probably about 40 ounces. And then I do uh, some Wim Hof breathing exercises. I don't know if you're familiar with Wim Hof. I'm not, no. Yeah, so you can look him up, but he, he's got, he's really well known for his, some of the things that he's been able to accomplish physically, but his breathing exercises, his cold showers, he's well known for that type of stuff. And then I go into a meditation and usually I use a Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza type meditations. Mm -hmm. And that meditation is really much about being present but then really creating a vision for the future and, and actually really feeling it, feeling what that, who I am in the future and what my life is in the future and actually experiencing it. Then I go into journaling. So I will usually journal some things that I'm grateful for. And then I'll just kind of freeform journal, just whatever's on my mind or whatever, just kind of, maybe there's something, you know, I think of it as like think time questions. Maybe there's that question that's been on my mind and I just need to write it out to get some more clarity. And then I read. So I'll usually read. I've been reading a part of think and grow rich every day because I think there's so much greatness in that book. I've read it several times, but now I've just, I just read a little bit every day just to keep that in my consciousness. And then I'll read a different book that I'll, that will rotate through. And that could be business. That could be uh, a biography. That could be something that's really kind of very functional leadership, whatever it might be sales. And then I'll work out. And that's usually about three hours. That's a great morning. <laughs> I, uh, it is. It's a great morning. I'm actually rereading Think and Grow Rich right now. And uh, every time I read it, I, there's some interesting nuggets that I, that I pick up. And it's, it is sort of also a little bit interesting because there's parts of it where you realize, you know, it is written. It was written in the 30s. Oh, yeah. So, but when you think about all the other business books or self-development books that you've read, you realize, oh, wow, they all come from this one, right? Everything that every book that's come out, you know, there's some component of it that's already captured in Think and Grow Rich. But what's really fascinating, I was at this event earlier this week in San Francisco talking to a few uh, executives and I was out with one of my coworkers and I was just curious, you know, has any, have they read it? And none of them had even heard of it, which sort of surprised me a little bit. Um, I think it's such a great book and I'll go off on a little bit of a tangent. I really struggled with my, my teenage children to try to get them to read some of these books. I'll put them in front of them. I'll set them on their nightstand. I'll try, I've tried to pay them to read it. No success. You know, they roll their eyes, dad, not interested, or here we go again. So now what I've started to do is, and I was doing it with the Think and Grow Rich, is I'll just take one nugget out of it, put it in a text, and I'm just sending them a daily text. And what's been real, and this wasn't intentional, it was just trying to get to their level in terms of communication. But one of the things that's come out of it is I'm also demonstrating consistency because now I'm on day 30. And uh, I think, you know, that's one thing from a sales perspective. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, you have to be consistent in everything you do to, to be successful. You know, sometimes it's hard to go get somebody to meet with you. Um, and you can't just try once, right? You have to keep going consistently. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, there's, there's a lot. Of, by the way, do you ever spend time in the car with your kids? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because I always think about, you know, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. And I always think about Pitbull, talks a lot about Pitbull, the, you know, the musical artist. Yeah, yeah. 
he talks about how when he was a kid, his mom always had the Tony Robbins tapes in the car, like to and from school. Right. And he was super resistant. He was like, what is, you know, <laughs> but he was absorbing it at the same time. So it's like, if you can work that in, if you can work the audio, some audio in, yeah, it's just, you know, when they're good, it's so hard to not, even if you're a kid and you're resistant, it's so hard to not kind of start latching on to some of those stories and picking up those lessons. Um, but in terms of consistency, I agree. I mean, one of the things that that I found it, that I developed in myself as a, as a salesperson, because you, know, you get so focused on the results mm-hmm. and that's important. I mean, sales is, is results, right? And, and that's measured. really what, what you're measured. And I remember getting to a certain point as a salesperson where I was so focused on the results and we talked about identity. My identity was so focused on being at the top or near the top that I was starting to burn myself out and I needed to shift. And the two things I really shifted to were one, because I did a lot of in-person sales at that, at that time, our business was a little bit different. Now, a lot of it's digital, Mm -hmm. but at that time, most of it was in person. So one was just shifting to just being present and just focusing on service, just focusing on the other person. And what is this really, just being present with them, building a relationship and really understanding how we can help. The second was to take pride in the process and the consistency. So just as you were talking about understanding, having the clarity on a daily basis, what are my top priorities? What, what am I setting out for myself to accomplish today in terms of process, the controllables that I, that I, I know I can do? That it could be a certain number of calls. That could be a, a certain group of people. That could be a certain lead generation effort that I'm focused on. And really focusing on the process and taking pride in accomplishing the things that I set out to accomplish without an attachment to the result. Mm-hmm. And just building that as a habit of the consistency of having the clarity on a daily basis of what am I focused on accomplishing and measuring the day by how I did relative to the commitment I made to myself. Yeah, you know, and it, it's... When you say that, it makes me think it's, it's you know, investing in your business in a consistent way, right? I mean, sometimes salespeople are, are so attracted to the here and now. I have to go do something right now to get a result right now that it's a short-term approach or tactic. And um, sometimes you have to be doing things that don't necessarily pay results today, this week, this month, but it'll pay huge dividends down the road if you're doing it consistently over time and building it up. It's like, what's that saying about... How many uh, how many strikes does it take to break or you know a big boulder or a rock? Right? It's yeah. You know, it may have taken a thousand strikes. Was it the last one that broke it, or was it the nine hundred ninety nine that let that led up to that that eventually led to breaking the boulder? And you know, those are those types of things that you have to figure out how to integrate into your business. And you know, this my my audience is high tech sales focused. Uh, high tech freedom is the name of the podcast. But you know, a lot of what we do in sales, it it obviously it translates to any industry. And so I really. Uh, I think you, you know, those, those are some great insights. Thanks. Thank you for sharing that. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high-tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later, or uh, I'll read that book later. 
Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now let's get back to the show. Uh, I'm curious, so, so and you, maybe you've touched on it, but if you were to take your, think about your own sales career, maybe your sales team that you manage now, if there was one thing that you would encourage your team or a sales rep to think about or do every single day or every single week, I mean, there's lots of things, right? But if you had to pick one, what would that one thing be? It would be investing in yourself. And when I say that, I mean, taking time, and we just talked about my morning routine, but taking time to invest in yourself, to put in the effort to simply be better, better at what you do and to create a stronger identity for yourself of who you are, what you're about, what you really want to accomplish, to just invest in staying connected to that and invest in working through any of those mindset type challenges that you have, because to me, no matter what you do in life, that investment in yourself is always going to pay off. Yeah. And, I, and I was tempted to say invest monetarily, but <laughs> the <laughs> do primary thing really is investing in yourself. And I know that when you do that, you have the presence of mind to be able to take the necessary steps to invest financially as well. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And that's, that's, one of the reasons I started the podcast. And I think that if uh, somebody's listening to this podcast or any other podcast, they probably already kind of are starting to get that. Um, but, you know, my, my view is you know, from a high tech sales perspective, you know, my the people that I know, my peers, we need to go learn from the best to, um, you know, sell like the best. And then, you know, what, from there, how do we continue to give back and take some of those harder commission dollars and, and redeploy them into investing in yourself, investing in your financial freedom or whatever it is, it's important to you. Yeah, and you actually just brought something up that made me think of it too. Something that I did not do earlier in my career that has been just such a game changer for me in the last few years. And that is, you know, when you say investing too, in, being willing to invest your time and your money into personal development and getting around other people mm -hmm. who, you aspire to be like, and that has just been game changing for me in the last few years of, of, ex, of expanding my network of people. And, and at some points pain to be around people that are farther ahead than me and maybe doing different things than me, but just operating at a higher level and being around people like that, it inspires you when you, when you surround yourself with that both physically with those people and who you're listening to and who you're reading all those things to me, it just expands your mind in terms of what's possible and you gain a greater belief in yourself because you have a closer connection to people that have accomplished the things you want to accomplish. So that would be my second thing is, is really focused on who, who am I hanging around and who could I get access to to be around that will elevate where I am in my life. They say that you're the average of your five closest people that you spend the most time with. And, you know, if you're hanging out with people that are way ahead of you, you're going to just accelerate your knowledge. You're going to have moments where you, I'm sure, come up with a new idea that came to you significantly faster than if you're just heads down trying to grind it out, figure it out. And yeah, you can read a lot of books. You can listen to a lot of podcasts, but sometimes um, being around people that have done it with the confidence 
the track record. Um, you, you, it's another depth. And, you know, I, I've interviewed some other folks and almost consistently the most successful people that I've met or that I've interviewed, they've paid for um, coaching programs, private coaches, group coaches, masterminds, and they're not, you know, the company's not paying for it. They're invested in themselves. And guess what? It's paying off tenfold in returns with uh, their career, um, their success, their sales performance and so on. You touched on something else I want to go back to. So 16 years with one company, Mm -hmm. um, that's hard to do in any company. And it's even harder to do for sales because we so are so tightly tied to that performance number. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how you've um, branded yourself or created a personal brand to be able to to navigate through the company, continue to add value as I'm sure the company had changed over those 16 years? How did you stay relevant? Yeah, it's a really good question. For one, I think for me, what's been so beneficial about working with this company is the company has been growing you know, over that time. I mean, when I started, we were 29 locations. We are now 105 locations and we have other brands too. Like SoulCycle is a brand that Equinox owns and there's Equinox Hotels and there's another brand called Blink. And so being part of a company that is growing, I think was is very beneficial. And then it, what that has given me the opportunity is just giving me the opportunity to take on different roles and challenges that have helped me grow. And I think when we're growing, then that's really what's the of primary importance to us is for us to feel that we are growing. I think sometimes people switch companies because they feel like they've reached a point where they're just not growing anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've also realized too, that at a certain point, you need to take responsibility for yourself at that point, because you may reach a point in a company or maybe it's a great situation, but you don't feel like you're really being challenged in the same way anymore. Well, then it's time to figure out, okay, how do I challenge myself? Because why am I going to rely on the company for my professional growth? What can I do to invest in myself for that growth? So, but on the personal branding piece, a lot has changed over the years. I mean, over 16 years, it's, you know, there was a time when I was started in New York working for this company. And there was a time where I could go into that corporate office. And if I, I would know who everybody is, I may not have met them all personally, but when I heard their name, I would be like, oh yeah, I know what you do. Yeah. And so one thing I think was that, I mean, I had that benefit early on in the career to just the presence, to just actually meet people, understand what they did. Uh, have an appreciation for what they did and how what all uh, the, the marketing team, et cetera, like what we all did, that collaborative nature of it, how everybody's role contributed to the success. So building some relationship one-on-one, first off. The other thing I would say is being someone that is consistently volunteering to try something. So I really like one of the great things again about this company is that while we have ex- grown into a larger company, there is an entrepreneurial spirit within it. And there's an encouragement that if you have ideas, if there's something you want to try, propose it. So being able to think creatively about how could we do something a little bit different and then propose a, a pilot for trying something a little bit different. I think that goes a long way in terms of personal branding because one, it gets you sometimes collaborating with different people within the company that maybe you wouldn't normally have the same exposure to. And then two, you become known as someone who is consistently working to find that edge right. to consistently evolve. And I think that's been really beneficial as well. 
Yeah. Well, so two big things that, that stand out for me is, uh, you know, in all of that outreach, the time that you've taken to get to know people internally, you're creating fans within the organization, right? So they're thinking of you. And then, um, you know, you're always willing to be innovative, right? If there's something new, you're, you're willing to say, I'll try it in my region. I'll try it as a rep. I'll try it in my territory, my club, whatever. And I think that's so important because in the sales role, we have to always be innovating, right? Because you're, you're competing against like four other people that are trying to do the same thing and they're trying to innovate. And the environment that you sell in today, it's going to be different than the environment you sell in six months from now. I mean, we saw the pandemic um, as a great example, right? If you just keep doing it the same way, you're really going to struggle. So how do you constantly try to innovate? And, uh, you know, if you're just sitting still, you know, guess what? Your so will your commissions and your growth. You know, you have to be trying new things. I thought that was that was great. Um, Brian, let's uh, shift a little bit. So you talked about the real estate. I'd love to hear you know what you're doing on that front and and how you're growing your investments around real estate. Yeah, well, I again, I, as I mentioned, it was really only until about five years ago that I really started thinking about investing. And what I started to do first was go big picture. I read a couple books, Tony Robbins, uh, Money Master the Game, and some other books, just to understand a little bit more about how I was actually investing then, because I was investing in our 401k, my 401k, and we had a, uh, we have a brokerage account. I was investing in that. So we were investing. I just didn't really have a lot of knowledge about what we were actually investing in. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I did was just understand a little bit more big picture and then have more intelligent conversations with our financial advisor so we could make some shifts based on now my greater understanding of investing and what our goals were. Well, along the way, I went to a, a seminar. It was a life and wealth mastery was what it's close called. And there was a gentleman there speaking about real estate investing. I knew a little bit about it and actually had been in an accidental landlord a couple of times where <laughs> had owned a, a condo and then left and it just wasn't a good time to sell. So I ended up renting that out. So I had a little bit of experience with that. But there was something that struck me then when I saw him present and I bought the course that he was selling. And it was actually more around wholesaling. And if you know what wholesaling is, that's basically when you identify usually single family homes, you identify a single family home, you, you manage to get that under contract for well below market price. And then you kind of flip that, not, you don't actually purchase it, but you end up flipping the contract to a different seller and then make some commission along the way. Right. I didn't do any of it, but that's, but that's what kind of got me. Yeah. But I bought the course and I went through the course and that's kind of what started to get me thinking more about how I wanted to invest in real estate. Then I was focused on single family for a little bit and I was looking at single family. And then through that, I got introduced to multifamily and that just made sense to me. Multifamily in terms of the scalability of it, in terms of being able to identify a property that ultimately is a business and potentially underperforming as a business to be able to purchase that, improve the operations, improve the profitability, and essentially make it more valuable. Like mm -hmm. the whole thing just made sense to me, especially coming from running fitness clubs. And then about a year and a half ago, well, yeah, a little less than a year and a half ago, actually, I joined a mentorship program specifically for multifamily to learn the multifamily business through that program and focusing on acquisition and focusing on operations and, and really getting into my first multifamily deal. 
I became much more interested in the capital raising aspect of the business. So that's what I've really been focused on for the past five, six months is building a brand to help other people, working professionals invest passively in real estate, which I have done as well. So I'm investing as a limited partner. And I love that. I mean, passive investing in a multifamily syndication is about the most passive I think you can get as an investor, right? Yeah. And, and what I love about it though, is that it's it's so different than, there's a lot of people that get really into investing in the stock market too, right? Because not just index funds, but specific stocks, because they, they feel like they're playing an active role and making the choice. And that's one of the things I love about passive investing in multifamily syndications is there is a level of knowledge that goes into it as a passive investor. You can look at, you know, you can vet the operator, you can do research on the market, you can understand, read, understand the business plan, and then make a choice whether or not it works for you. And I really like that about it, but it, it I feel like I have so much more knowledge in that business and multifamily than I do in the stock market. So I feel much more comfortable and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, accomplished by investing in real estate specifically. Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh and if you think about it, I, I've always struggled with stock picking because to me, it seemed like a, a little bit like a gamble, right? And, you know, when you're looking at making an investment in a real estate deal, um, you know, you're looking at the numbers, right? You're looking at the asset, you're looking at the cash flow, you're looking at the, at the expenses, you're looking at the location. It's not new. Um, you know, it's, it's, and it's, you know, it's a deal versus kind of speculating on, you know, buying a stock and, you don't know if there's going to be automatic trading or computer-based trading that's going to drive it up, drive it down. You don't know anything about the numbers of the company except for what they're sharing. Um, so I, I'm with you. And by the way, for my listeners, if anybody wants to learn more about investing uh, passively or actively in real estate, uh, we have a free ebook on our website. You can go to hightechfreedom.com. Uh, so Brian, what uh, you know, what next? So you, you keep doing some investment in real estate, keep selling within the health club. You've got your life coach. Um, work that you're doing. What's next for you? It's really the expansion of all those things. So I would say that my, my passion as an individual is coaching and everything else I'm doing in some ways supports that. And one of the primary reasons that I'm focused on investing, but not just investing, but actually building a company that helps other people invest is that I very much wanted that experience of creating something entrepreneurial of creating something of my own, creating a business. Because as a coach, I've realized I end up coaching a lot of people that are entrepreneurs and I've worked for a company for 16 years. And so I have a lot of experience that is relevant, but I also wanted that experience of creating something of my own. And in doing that, I also wanted to demonstrate to other people who maybe are like me, that maybe in their forties have gotten to a point in their career where maybe they feel like there's not a lot of other places to go, right? But to give them an example of how you can continue to challenge yourself and push yourself outside your comfort zone and actually create something of your own in addition to what you're doing. So that's a lot of what drives me 
is to be able to accomplish that and then be able to coach other people through that process. So what I see for me really is the real estate side of it, which is uh, just the experience of it, the journey has, has been really rewarding and will continue to be, but also building wealth through that, which creates mm-hmm. that level of freedom. And then being able to utilize that experience to be a stronger coach mm-hmm. for the people that I work with, both internally and externally. And while I love my, my role at, at Equinox, I mean, at a certain point, I want to be able to know that I'm not relying on that exclusively for my income. That's the whole point of the, the the concept of freedom to me, again, are those choices. I love it. And it, I'm sure you have experienced how each one of those makes the other one better, right? You know, the stuff that you're doing with the coaching, or maybe the stuff you're doing with the real estate is you start to build that business. Um, you're having aha moments that you can take back into your sales role and sales leadership role to make even better, right? It's just different perspectives that expand how you look at things. Yeah, that's such a great point. And I have felt that. And one of the things that has come up for me too in a different conversation was around, you know, there might be some people that are listening that while they're very invested in what they do for the company they work for, maybe they too want to be doing something outside, but they're concerned about how it might look to the company. Mm -hmm. And what you just mentioned to me was something that shifted for me was when I recognized that the things that I do outside of my role, the way that I invest in myself and the education and pushing myself and challenging myself in these other ways, that only helps me in my role within the company. And once I made that shift, it created such freedom for me to talk within the company about what I'm doing outside the company, because I recognize that as an employer, they value people who are investing in themselves. They value people who are furthering their education, who are challenging themselves. As as long as you're showing up every day with the commitment and the energy and the consistency for what you do within that role, then there's nothing to be ashamed of in terms of what you're pursuing outside that role because it only helps you to be stronger in what you're doing in everything. Yeah. When you think about it, right? Why do they bring on board members from other companies, right? For the perspective. For obviously for the oversight, but for the perspective. Um, well, hey, Brian, if somebody wanted to get hold of you for coaching, just generally networking, whatever it might be, how can they, uh, how can they connect with you? So a few different ways. Email is great. Brian, B-R-I-A-N at maybarcapital.com. That's M like Mary, A-E-B-A-R capital.com. You can follow me on Instagram, which is at bhemadinger. And then LinkedIn is great too. Just Brian Hemmedinger. There's not very many of us. Yep, <laughs> so I you should you. be able to find me. <laughs> I will. Uh, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. So, well, Brian, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for uh, meeting with me this morning. And uh, hopefully I look forward to connecting up with you when I'm down in uh, LA one of these days. Awesome. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever. Your best week ever.